on the latest episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I'm talking to first-time guest Roy Turner about Life Can Be So Nice from the Parade album. Welcome to the show, Roy. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, Jason. Thank you for having me. Uh, what a, what a, a, a chance to talk Prince uh, anytime, uh, but especially about this specific track. And uh, I have very much have enjoyed uh, your participation with the threads we've been doing. Uh, and so for us to have a chance to finally talk somewhat face-to-face uh, is something I would <laughs> yeah. do. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to have you on. And uh, your enthusiasm for this song really kind of excited me to get you on the show and get you on this episode. You know, first of all, as a first-time guest, uh, my listeners don't know who you are yet, so I would appreciate okay. you maybe introducing yourself and then maybe a little bit of background of your connection to Prince and how you got into his music as a starting point. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I talk I a little bit about this on my own show. Uh, so who I am is, my name is Roy Turner. I am a filmmaker. Uh, I'm also a fellow podcaster. I do a show for iHeartRadio called Tricky Kid Radio. It airs every Thursdays at noon. You can get on the iHeartRadio app as well as all, wherever else you get all your, your podcasts just like yours. Uh, I want to say hello to the people that are currently uh, perhaps maybe watching us on Twitch. Who knows? Uh, but yes, so uh, my introduction to Prince was my sister had a copy of 1999 uh, in 1982 when it came out. I was eight years old, and she was about 14. So it's kind of like one of those things where you don't come in my room, you little you little creep. And and I just was always really already really into music. I mean, way uh, very I like my toys and my Hot Wheels, but I was. Uh, unusually into music and already really into collecting and, and, and things like that. Even at that young age, uh, we were very poor. So getting a new piece of music was an event. It was a big deal. And I don't know, man, just the, the cover of 1999 just uh, just intrigued me. I was like, what the, what the hell is this? Uh, yeah. And I would often sneak into her room because I didn't, I was supposed to be there. That was intriguing. And uh, she had her records at the at the foot of her console stereo setup, and 1999 was always there. And I would just it was a gatefold, and I would just when I didn't even listen to it, I would just I didn't even know how to operate the the record player yet. I would just look at this thing. So then, that summer around that time, that's when you started seeing. I could see a visual compared to what I was seeing, and this is where the Little Red Corvette video was everywhere and. Yep. And uh, it just kind of took over our, our life. It was my connection to her. And, you know, we later on, of course, we were very close. And uh, poverty tends to uh, make people uh, a bond. Uh, uh, and Prince was a soundtrack to all that. The good times, the bad times. And it just became our thing. It was our my connection to my sister. Okay. Uh, yeah, my story is... You know, from the timing standpoint, very similar. I'm getting into Prince around the 1999 era, Little Red Corvette, single 1999. So we pretty much started our love for Prince about the same time. Cool. Which That's is, awesome. you know, kind of cool. Which may also makes sense since we're about the same age, too. So right. I don't mean, it would hit us around that same time, right? Yeah, exactly. At a young age, I was really into music as well. So. You know, just something new and exciting, and that's what Prince represented uh, to me, and I, I mean, obviously, to a lot of people. So, very, very cool. 
And but there was also there was something very rebellious about it. And and on one hand, you know, I'm a total nerd. I was the kid who won all the spelling bees and did really well in school. I wasn't somebody who hated school and hated going. I was somebody who loved going to school and did very well. And uh, and in spite of us being very poor, obviously there were some challenges because you know I didn't have the the cool clothes and the, all that bullshit. But it didn't matter. I, I never resented my, my 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 mother for it. I was grateful for what we had, uh, and music was a, a big part of that. So for me, being into Prince and listening to Prince, uh, and looking back on some of those lyrics, like I can't believe that she allowed it to happen. But maybe you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's it funny because she was younger than I am now. She was my mother was I guess in '84 or when Purple Rain came out, which was really when the explicit stuff kind of started really kicking in. Uh, I was 10 and my mom, I guess, was 40, which you know, she was younger than we are now. But but I just remember like going to school and that that made me feel cool. I, I wasn't interested in trying to be cool with or to the people at school. This Prince thing, uh, this connection uh, made me feel very powerful and kind of like I was in on something that maybe they weren't in on, you know? Yeah, I can understand that. Um, the Purple Rain era for myself was... Uh, the time when my my enjoyment of Prince's music and my kind of adoration for his aesthetic and and the kind of uh, look he was putting out there in his music videos reached the mainstream. I mean, it wasn't just me anymore or just me and my sister. It was, you know, all my friends were totally Purple Rain Mania and we're talking right. about the movie, even though none of us had seen it yet because we were too young. <laughs> so we, in our mind we imagined what the mu the the movie was like based off of the music videos only so we had to just kind of uh pretend we had we had the script in front of us <laughs> right. just make up make up our own story it but involved prince on a motorcycle and some pretty girls really <laughs> yeah, right but you said you had an older sister as well yeah yeah she it was her her purchasing the 45s to 1999 and little red corvette and then me wow. listening how, to them so, how much older than you she's five years older than me so almost the exact same thing my nikki is six years older than me and uh, actually five and a half so almost identical that's a really cool thing uh, you mentioned about purple rain and, and this is where we can get into the the life can be so uh, where, what we're talking about here is a little bit i'll let you intro that but it was i remember like you said we went to the theater to see, my uh, my parents were divorced, so my dad would pick me up every other weekend. And what he would like to do was go to the movies. And it's also the easiest way to entertain, you know, a young a young kid. We can just kind of be right. chill for a few hours. Even though I was very quiet, I was not the extrovert that you see today. And so we went to go see Purple Rain, and not and the reason why we couldn't get in not was because I was too young, because he was more than willing, which is crazy to think about too, because it was sold out. And uh, yeah. So we ended up seeing like I think it was like Star Trek three or something I don't know, but uh, but anyway, but Purple Rain like you said now it was not my my thing it was everybody's thing, but I'm not one of those people that rejects that you know the kind of the punk rock revelry thing where suddenly people are into the band you're into suddenly it somehow makes you dislike the band in some way as a capricious youthful person. I've never felt yeah. that way about things. I, I, I'm the kind of person where I want my friends to succeed. I don't feel competitive in that way. But uh, so, when, so something I like gets popular, yes. But uh, where it started to kind of die down a little bit, as we all know, is that 
around the time we went through that left turn of around the world in a day and that really became my sister's like to this day when you talk when we talk prince that for her for whatever reason became her thing uh but the same thing happened to me but just a year later and and then it continued on with sign of the times but i think everybody has something they identify with if you're a lifelong fan like we are that was there when it was going on uh for me it was definitely the parade thing that that time um mtv way before their show trl total request live you of course remember dial mtv and uh my 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 band uh, then and now was i'm a massive motley crew fan and home sweet home was like number one and and number two and going back and forth was usually either home sweet home or at the time it was the kiss video now i didn't own i wish i could claim that i owned the parade album uh then and i didn't the only songs i knew from that were what mtv was playing we were very poor i didn't get it until a few years later and it was uh like after i saw the under the cherry moon movie and all that this was a few years later where that's when i i was i knew more about music I didn't have any influence other than just my own desires. Uh, mm. And when I saw uh, the film, like I said, there's that scene where he's sitting behind the steering wheel. I don't want to get ahead of here. If you guys think you want to intro there, but, but no, the actually that's fine. Uh, let's talk about that because that, that's a very interesting part of the, I will maybe mention how it ends you know when we get to the part how it ends but yes the, the movie it's it's featuring in the movie and like you were saying in the scene where prince's character Tr- christopher tracy sitting in the car waiting for mary to show up and he's jamming out to the song and uh it, it's you know it's a really kind of uh, silly but but endearing scene i think for me because we have all many of us have done that where we're just listening to a oh, song yeah. on the radio and but I think and I'm the kind of guy who won't want, who doesn't want to turn the engine off if my favorite song or a song that I really like is on. Oh, I'll leave the car running for a little bit longer. Man. Any Van Halen song that comes on when I'm pulling in, you ask my wife, man. Where <laughs> I could go inside and turn it on, I have all this stuff. But there's something about that, man. If I'm pulling into the driveway and something that I really, really like that you don't really hear a lot, which kind of happens more now with things like uh, Sirius XM and all that. We're taking it. We're circling the block, guys. You know. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I can feel, relate. Well, but here's what I think is interesting. Okay, at that time, how many musicians, and to this day, really have their own movie? Like, so you have a, maybe like a Hard Day's Night with the Beatles and a couple other different things. Elvis was a, an actor uh, and singing, uh, you know, silly songs that were specific, uh, you know, to those films. Uh, and you know what else did you really you know have like that at that point? You know, uh, Moonwalker hadn't even come out yet. So yeah, so Madonna I, was in a couple movies, but they weren't movies that featured like Madonna's music as right. front and center. She was just another actor. But but even even if it did, there isn't another example that I can think of uh, at all uh, then and now where not only that. But he's singing his song. He's, I mean, he's, you're not going to see John Lennon sitting around in a hard day's night or even whatever, you know, 
lip syncing to one of his own songs. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's unthinkable. It, it, and, I, and I don't think there's an example uh, ever. So I always have always have wondered a how often do people? I mean, how often did Eddie Van Halen just crank up women and children first? You know what I mean? How often? You know, probably not at all. Uh, so mm-hmm. I know the Prince is a different kind of guy. It lends itself to a, almost a bit of a joke, uh, uh, some narcissistic uh, uh, type of you know subabsorption there. But there, there's just something about him sitting in that car waiting for a girl, and instead of being nervous, I have no idea why 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 this happened. But instead of being nervous or or whatever, I don't know why whose decision it was to score it that way, and when mm-hmm. he's We've all pounded on the steering wheel and we've done all that. But the fact that he's doing it to his own song as if he didn't write it, there's something endlessly satisfying to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was a total Prince decision. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he ultimately took the reins as the director for this movie. So, right. you right. know, like all these uh, creative directions, one would have to assume came from him. <laughs> so I think... Fair to fair to say that he thought that it would be cool if he was jamming out to his own because you know I mean he doesn't play Prince he plays a guy named Christopher Tracy right. who just also happens to like Prince's music right. by the way yeah, yeah but it also kind of reminded me I mean it hadn't come out yet but like a, a comparison I also I I think about for whatever reason like in the movie pump up the uh, pump up the volume and when oh, Christian Slater yeah. right and when they had to go out to to to, the, to some some like you know place that. It's kind of like where young people would go to make out or something, but it's where they so they can pick up this kind of illegal radio station. Uh, there, you know, it felt that way too. It was almost like wherever you know he was doing something in the, part of the storyline. He had he had lied to Jerome Benton's character, uh, and it was something about him just kind of reveling. In 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 breaking the rules, there's something about that that feels so powerfully rebellious to me, um, and that's just no matter what no matter what Prince song it was, uh, I just happen to also love. I love this song. I love it so much that it, it, it's it, it hurts how much I love this song, and and I, I will tell you primarily why, and I've yes. kind of explained it a little bit times before. But it's kind of like if you and I were in a band and we were to write, let's say, an instrumental, like, you know, like you listen to Miles Davis records and it's all instrumental, but they have titles. Well, how, how do you give a title to, to something? Prince is the only mm-hmm. person I've ever known that, like, if you and I could write an instrumental and call it Hot Sex, would it sound like Hot Sex? Or we could call it Hot Fudge Sunday. You know, would mm-hmm. it, would it, what, what, would what we're playing, would it convey an image in the feel of eating a hot fudge sundae? Maybe not. Maybe we don't, we don't have that ability. But, you know, R.E.M. has a song called Shiny Happy People, and, it, and it's an upbeat song that can kind of sound the way what the lyrics reflect. But, man, the, the, the strengths and just the, the, this, 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 the bad times of my life, Everybody has has had music, and I'm not gonna tell you some fucking blues jam, but the strength that I've got from that song uh, of it being this this glorious thing of that life can be it's it's positive but rebellious, 
there's something about all of it. And there's something about that, too, when how you're talking about the lyrics of the, of the song. The lyrics aren't really that remarkable. In fact, they're, 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 they're very sparse. They're very simple. And they almost kind of lend itself to the idea that they were written five seconds before they were recorded. Uh, <laughs> and there's something about that to me that is endlessly gratifying as well. Because there's, to various degrees of uh, levels of, of success, I think that the the it, it's kind of its success and it's also it's kind of undoing to some. For example, on the record, it's clear and it's I mean it's absolutely uh, do well documented that a lot of that stuff he recorded all by himself on the fly. A lot of what you're hearing is one take, maybe a second take, and the lyrics reflect that in a good way, in a great way, not in a and a oh well he really didn't you know think too much about the lyrics i think the same can be said about the movie this was a kind of a new endeavor for him <laughs> as well and and i will defend under the cherry moon till the end uh if you're looking for a scorsese level uh, uh performance this is not your movie if you're looking for something fun by somebody that doesn't give a shit what you think uh and just enjoy it for what it is it's endlessly entertaining um, right. So for me, so for me, that's what there's something so. And and then again, I, I'd already had thought that when I was hearing the song. So to see a visual, because that's really the only visual that we would ever would have. There's no video um, for the song that was issued. There's they, they did it pretty. They did it a lot live on the tour. Uh, it's kind of skipped over. It kind of got lost in a medley at times. So for me, the ultimate statement this song makes is a song about positivity and rebellion and that's what i feel when i hear it every time and, it, and i mean literally every time it's a really complex composition um so just for some background it's prince did you know recorded this song primarily by himself as you alluded to he did enlist sheila e to if you can hear it in the in the mix there's a cowbell in there Oh, yeah, uh, oh, keep yeah. in time. That doom, doom, doom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's okay. Sheila. That's Sheila. Keep in time with her cowbell. Right, and right. of course, um, as we listen to the song, you can't mistake the 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 female vocals um, of Wendy and Lisa in there. And that's you know just a trademark Revolution era kind of sound to have an intersperse, especially on the Parade album. It's very uh, commonly used where he grabs. Wendy and Lisa and have them sing in the background while he's singing yeah. in the foreground. And one thing I like about this song is, is it's kind of like it's a uh, measured chaos. So it's, it, the song starts out pretty like it's on the rails, you know, it's still interesting musically. You've got uh, this, I don't know, you got the slap and drum, this, you know, the drum beat is, is insane and I love it. It just hits really hard. And then, you also have, and I don't know, Roy, if, if it's real flute or if it's... Uh, that that you was know, from uh, Fairlight. Okay, that's the Fairlight. But that's it makes fair. a flute kind of sound. Oh, and, yeah. Because I know this song had had orchestration added to it by you know Claire Fisher's orchestra. But then Prince stripped that all out because he's just like, I just like the song better without it, which right. he did that for several songs on Parade. So this isn't the only one. Um, and I'm glad he did. I just I'd like to hear the orchestrated version of oh, this song, but I I can't imagine this song being improved upon because of yeah. it, um, because I think it's already amazing. 
But anyway, so yeah, you got the Fairlight making that really distinct whistling sound. Um, and then as the song goes on, and as we start going through the lyrics, it'll be clear there's this, these parts where Prince is singing and Wendy and Lisa are singing, and then they, they're they like not even in sync. You know, it's, it's yeah. so chaotic towards the end, and then it just ends abruptly, which I love that scene in the movie when he just turns the radio off right when the song ends because it, yes. it ends like it, it ends. The song ends like somebody turned off the radio. Um, and that, I mean, that's, that's a, a, a trick that's been done by lots of musicians to just end the song really abruptly with no warning, not something brand new, but when it's done in kind of like a, a pop context, because right. a lot of times those are, it's done more in like some avant-garde type, music or bands that do that to employ that technique uh but prince does it in a pop album and on a pop yeah. song it wasn't a single but it could have been i mean everything oh, that's yeah. on here is potentially could have been a single except for maybe venus de milo and i wonder you but um yeah so yeah. i just i i love i love it's it's kind of a weird song and oh, i i'm drawn to weird songs so oh. i like this song <laughs> But I like the idea that it almost is like listener is punching bag or is dartboard. You know what I mean? Because it it doesn't build. It starts off immediately with this and when you're in the, the flute you're talking about, the Fairlight sample where, and it's just, and suddenly it's just like this pastiche of ideas, and it's not that it's not well thought out. I mean, again, I'm not saying that it's not that it's not a, a masterpiece because it totally is. But there is nothing like that. There's nothing like it else on this record. There's few songs I can say that are, it, it's kind of peerless. Most of his songs, a lot of his songs are peerless, but but this seems to be, there's something else there. And I think he thought a lot of the song too. And that's what, why I like the placement of it in the film, because it doesn't lay over a scene. It's just him alone with the song. It's almost kind of like, okay, that was for me, turns the radio off and gets back to business. You know? Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, but see, what also when it com- comes to the lyrics, though, uh, let let me just say this is real fast. Like, like think think about this just for a second, okay? So, it starts off with this: "This morning there was joy in my heart because I know that I love you so. Scrambled eggs are so boring for, for you're all that I want to know. Like, what the hell? What the hell does that mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, something this is this random, apropos of nothing, uh, non sequitur, but." Every time he says scrambled eggs are so boring, you wait for it like the Phil Collins drum drop in, you know, <laughs> what, you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, so yeah, in the air tonight. Yep, somebody yep. else is going to get me screaming, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years old, scrambled eggs. You, you, you know, it's just, it lends itself to the idea that anything is possible. So once you abandon that kind of, expectation of structure it's all fun it's and and that that for me that i tell anybody 
to recommend or I hand somebody a Prince record that they may not be familiar with. Uh, this one, people know Kiss, but for the most of the rest of the record, I'm like, ah, keep going with that one. Uh, what I tell them is that is that it's it is complete and total wilderness. It is it is the wild wild west of his catalog, and he, he of course that even extended once he totally broke free and was able to write all types of different uh, songs that and, and, and of course unfortunately had to shuffle loose uh, some mortal coil there in order to get on to, to some even even crazier ideas but I compare it also to this too it's not an anomaly it's not the wild honey pie to use a Beatles reference of um, of the record it's not a sore thumb it fits right in there somehow you know what I mean mm-hmm yeah, yeah, it does. The sounds are well. The song before it, "Girls and Boys," is also a really kind of upbeat song. It has co-vocals from Wendy and Lisa and Susanna. So we've got this like what you, what feels like a collaborative effort. Although we know that the collaboration was fairly minimal on this song. It's really just hey, <laughs> come in here and sing these lines. I Sheila, keep the keep time with your cowbell, and I've got I've got the rest. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so sure. it, it it wasn't quite as collaborative as it may come across, um, but it does fit in completely. And also with the use of the Fairlight samples and uh, you know the the drum that he's using on this song kind of matches up very similarly to the sounds of the first four songs off of the album. So sonically, it it fits in to me as well uh doesn't doesn't stick out and the way it goes right into venus de milo after this uh, i just i just love it i just love the contrast in sounds or going from this to that and um you know it's just it's just a really joyous song i love i love it for the same reasons it sounds like you love it and and talking about the lyrics a little bit, like you mentioned, the scrambled eggs are so boring. He starts off with the morning there was joy in my heart, and then he talks about scrambled eggs. So I just keep getting these thoughts that he's just got like this morning uh, theme going in his lyrics, and he just wants to inject little subtle uh, glimpses into that idea. Not that, you know, it, it was a really fleshed out um lyrical plan that he had that he was going to do this it's just more like ah you know i talked about it this morning so what's another right. thing that people associate with morning breakfast what's well, right. a very common breakfast suit scrambled eggs yeah. and then in the next grouping of lines kisses never lie when delivered with milk from your lips morning glories never cry my love for you baby drips yes like you just mentioned in the first four lines these also seem to just kind of be non sequiturs random lines um, the only thing I can think of with the milk again and thinking of breakfast, you know, putting milk on your cereal or having a glass of tall glass of milk with and your scrambled eggs. Remember that milk was delivered and not by Amazon. It was, you know, people younger than us may never even heard of the milkman, but, uh, you know, milk was delivered back back in the day. And and, uh, and, I, and I found that connection cool, but I just I just always thought it was just so ballsy without effortlessly he i mean he doesn't even he's not even trying to be ballsy by just saying those lines that shape that image that that expresses that thought and that feeling
And for me, however, I guess probably my favorite line, and I'm glad that it was sung, you know, like by Wendy and Lisa as compared to, to him. There's something about this. But the line where he says, no one plays the clarinet the way you play my heart. For me, that's a roadmap. Because for me, it was kind of like, okay, if I meet somebody, if I meet a girl and she doesn't make me feel like that, it's a, it's a high, it's a tall order, right? It's a, a high expectation. But, but you know, mm-hmm. all kidding aside, I, I, it kind of informed me of kind of like what I was looking for or, or what I was supposed to feel or what I wasn't going to settle for not. And so it was, so for me, it was kind of like, you know, when I, when I met my wife, I was like, nobody plays my heart, you know, the way that, uh, well, no one plays the clarinet the way you play my heart. She's actually a violin player, so I kid with her, with her about that. But, but, uh, but no one plays the violin the way you play my heart. Yeah, yeah. That works right. too. Yeah. And so, uh, and so I, I, I said, boy, I joked her. I said, yeah, if she does something clever, I always say, you know, Jocelyn, nobody plays the, the violin the way you play my heart. Right. Okay. Uh, but I always, you know, I always imagined like feeling that way about somebody. Uh, and as a young, as a young person, I don't know, it, it, it there was something that Alicia Keys said that really spoke to me at the induction ceremony. She said, she said a lot of great things. Uh, but the line where she said, because of Prince, I never wanted to be anybody but myself. And that was something that I actually, before I long ever heard her say that, had always had said to myself. So when she said that line, it was it was almost like an out-of-body experience because I mean, I literally would say those words to myself almost like a like a hymn almost like a like a private prayer almost and so when she said those words verbatim uh it was very powerful for me and and the the lyrics for me uh specifically um echo that that emotion to me because it was just kind of like when i hear that it's kind of like i'm inspired by this but I'm primarily inspired to do my own thing. And, yeah. and so therefore I'm not going to, I'm not going to settle for this. I'm not going to compromise that. I'm not going to, you know, and so that's why I grew up to be an, an eccentric weirdo because I was <laughs> exposed to such, such great, great stuff at a young age. Um, but it, it's also one of those things too, man, where it hits Every time, every time I hear this song, and I do this this kind of weird kind of game with myself where I don't let myself hear it that often. I, I'll tell you right now, I mean, there's, you can't see it, but there's a whole, you know, I got the wheels of steel right over here. Again, you know, I'm a DJ and have the whole set over here. There's the, you know, Parade album on vinyl right there, original pressing. I might, I might bring it over so you can, so you can see here in a second, but um, I don't put it I, I, on that often because, again, when I do... It's an event, and I miss the idea of the album where you listen to the whole thing or you don't even bother. And I'm not going to go off on some tangent about how you know sound quality and the Google machines and Spotify versus you know my trusty turntable. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those snobs, okay? But uh, but it is one of those things where if I can't listen to it in that capacity 
uh, then I, I'm 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 not interested. But, but it's also kind of, kind of a thing too, where it's kind of like I, I don't want to get burnt out on it, or I fear that, or or whatever, or, or I you know I, my emotions have to lend itself to that, and then because because it, it is a, a very emotional. As much as I love it, it's also exhausting for me. Um, that's just the kind of person that I am, and this is how much the song specifically means to me. Um, unfortunately, right before he passed, I think we'll say maybe like a year before. Don't quote me on this. I could probably go to set list. You know what? I'm going to do that just real fast. I think it was, let's see here, just real very quickly. Let me be a nerd and tell you what I'm talking about here. And I didn't realize it was so many years before because he passed in 2016. Was it right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And so four long years before that, uh, the Revolution did the at that time the only show they ever they ever did without him. Uh, and of course, they went on to start doing some tours uh, after he had passed. As Wendy liked to say, that we're the encore. Uh, and I actually spent uh, two New Year's Eves um, with, uh, thanks to uh, the invitation of Brown Mark. Um, they did New Year's Eve in a in a casino in nowhere, Louisiana, in 2017, and then in 2018 they did New Year's Eve uh, here in Dallas. And so I, I got to spend those two New Year's, e- New Year's Eves with them. And a lot of people, speaking of Purple Rain, if you look at the tour dates. Uh, I uh, that New Year's Eve for the Purple Rain tour was also here in Dallas. It was a part of a four night stand, and uh, actually, he actually also played on New Year's Day, uh, which is kind of crazy. Most people don't, don't go out on New Year's Day after the big thing. But the reason why I wanted to look it up was because I remember uh, it happening. I remember that that 2012 show happening at First Avenue, uh, and like, oh my God, the revolution! Of course, and they sent him an invitation, and and I don't think he didn't show up i don't think he rebuffed it i don't I'm not even sure he even knew what was happening but i just remember seeing i think it was amir Questlove tweeting about it and because he had 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 the heads up and he flew there to be there and he had posted the set list the next day and and, and before i'm even seeing the set list i'm already imagining what could be on it like most people and mm-hmm. it would have never would have occurred to me. I could never could have imagined that life could be so nice would be on it, even though they sing a lot of it. And so when I saw it on there, I never at that point had ever regretted missing a show because I thought this would be this would really would be the only chance. You obviously I wasn't expecting him to you know like anybody else to pass four years later. And the funny thing is, is that I have now since he passed have seen. Gosh, probably at least a half a dozen, maybe more, of those revolution shows. And I have asked Wendy personally, <laughs> why is life can be so nice? Why is it not in the set? And and uh, and she's an, an amazing human being if you've ever had a chance to to speak with her. And she's so articulate. And um, and she was just saying how like, you know, there was just so much to get to. And I think I think I think it was primarily probably more of like a technical kind of deal like it just they probably tried it out again at sound check this is what she said and uh it just it just didn't click uh but that doesn't mean it's off the table because because of its obscurity because at that new Eve show in louisiana in some casino in the middle of nowhere unthinkably they did all day and all night and i that's for another that's for another time of course but 
But the reason why I mentioned that is because the, the, the idea that that song could have some type of he never played it again after uh that tour i i think i think the very last time uh it was it was ever played live uh just to give you a quick little uh, i think it was i think it was in actually i already know this to answer that it was at the final show in japan um so it's important to me that i would love uh either through the movie or through again what the revolution is doing i would love if somehow somebody were to discover prince in this era if nothing else through this song and i really feel like that when you hear kiss great it's cool great song it's on the greatest hits record but what what song is gonna make you look at those those deep cuts and for me I think that this would be the one to do it. It's kind of like we know, you know, you've heard Iron Man and all the Black Sabbath songs, but what what Black Sabbath song made you buy Volume Four? You know what I mean? To me, Life Can Be So Nice is the Volume Four of of not only the Prince catalog but this album uh, in particular. Hmm. Ah, interesting, interesting point. I did want to ask you one thing from a clarifying lyric clarifying yeah. standpoint. So you mentioned the line, no one plays the clarinet the way you play my heart, which is, the song for me is a collection of great lines. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they make up the lyrics, but the lines that are memorable to me are the, the scrambled eggs are so boring. I like kisses never lie. I really like that line. In the in the in the chorus itself, which is life could be so nice, it's a wonderful world, sweet paradise, and then they just say paradise. They truncate that to paradise later on in the song. Right. Kiss me once, kiss me twice. Life can be so nice. So I like the kiss me once, kiss me twice. Um, I don't know why. I just like the way that sounds. But then after the no one plays the clarinet the way you play my heart, the lyrics I'm looking at say I comb like combing your hair. I comb a thousand different ways before I even start. But I always thought he said, I come a thousand different ways before I even start. It's definitely come. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's all what I always thought. But the lyrics I'm actually looking at say comb. And I'm like, that doesn't make, not that I come a thousand different ways before I even start makes a ton of sense. I, you know. But uh, it makes more sense than I comb a thousand different ways. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Good. But, you know, but I, I, here's what I think also. I love the idea, and there's something else you don't see in in in, in other songs. Most people, he sometimes they say, "Life can be so nice. You're so nice." Who's who's he talking to? Is it first person, third person? So whenever whenever I hear that song, and I'm again, I'm punching the air and just being exuberant that life can be so nice. When I say the words, "You're so nice," I'm simultaneously saying it. To somebody that's inspiring me to listen to it in that moment, or I'm saying it to myself. As a you know, it's kind of a every once in a while we kind of need one of 
one of these. I'm, if you can see me, I'm patting, you know, you know, kind of a reassurance type kind of deal. Uh, and I get a lot of strength out of that. I get a lot of power out of that. And then when you said, mm -hmm. I love how you said, kiss me once, kiss me twice, that means more. That means infinite. You know, it's like yeah. kisses never lie when they're delivered, you know, and kiss me once, kiss me twice. Life can be so nice. I mean, yeah, that, it's just it's just a song that really kind of uh, exudes a lot of joy and happiness to it. And it, it's being it's being told through like kind of a, a what seems to be on the surface a song about maybe love or you know a relationship but you know to your point you can apply it to a lot of different ways it's like uh self-help almost you know and totally. and and just looking at it just from you know what a wonderful war what a wonderful world standpoint like life can be so nice when you have this and you have just you know uh, waking up in the morning with your loved one or you know you got the morning glories in in, right. in spring uh and just all these things that that make life worth living that make life interesting and the and the music definitely makes life interesting to the song for sure even if some of the lyrics seem a little like they're off kilter or just not quite as coherent as maybe some of other songs but i just <laughs> yeah. love the collection of lines that they that they are and how it's how it's kind of developed and presented to us as the listener. I feel like like I like what you're saying that like life life can be so nice. It you know I never read it or ever felt it even if it was the intention that life can be so nice if life can be so nice if you have these things or this that whatever. It's like to me it's unconditional. Life can be so nice. And it's asking you to choose it. Like, life can be so nice if you choose it for it to be. Life can be so nice. You're so nice. So what are you waiting for? You know what I mean? Like, what if, you know, I can't even begin to tell you um, I'm not a negative person. I'm not somebody, thankfully, that, that suffers from depression or any sort of mental illness other than I'm just kind of crazy. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I can't tell you how how that has lifted me a thought. we all have bad days we all get you know sad or had our hearts broken things like that and to me you know music is uh you know that's the cure for what ails you that's what i've always have felt and and for me no no one or no thing more so than prince and for his catalog none more so than this song uh and you know my problems aren't unique they're unique to me not to anyone else uh, but when I hear that life can be so nice, you're so nice. It's, you know, what, what really do you need more than that? That's for me. That's all I really need to hear. Uh, and, and then when it's got this and it's heavy, you know what I mean? It's got that pulsating, you know, undercurrent, uh, you know, it's not the slow, sweet, the, you know, patronizing thing. It has a very much a get up off your ass. Life can be so nice. You're so nice. Come on, man. And and, and so for me again, I, it would be impossible uh, to exaggerate or underscore uh, the motivation, the inspiration, and just the strength that I have uh, managed to and still manage to uh, to to draw from this one song. Yeah.
Yeah, I like that. I like the way that you kind of approach the song and how you embrace it and interpret it in your way. Uh, I think that's a beautiful way of doing it. And and while if somebody could just look at the lyrics and listen to the song and really dig, you know, its musicality, dig, um, you know, the lines like I did, but then to take it internally and apply it in the way that you're describing just adds a new layer to the song, I think. New layer. Because I... As much as I love this song, I've always focused on the music for this one, yep, and, and the lines that I've and the lines that I've mentioned, the lines sure. that I really enjoyed, yeah. and and can definitely remember, um, you know, long after the song is over, the lines that just stick with me. But yeah, I, I really do think that the way that you approach the song is a, is beautiful, man. It's it's great, well, and well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Thank you for giving me the chance. I appreciate that. And the only thing I wanted yeah. to add was that it's kind of like, think about the song Tambourine, okay? Like you said, you kind of focus more on the music versus the lyrics with this particular song. So, but think about this. For me, Life Could Be So Nice, the reason why it's so probable because it's both for me. It's a one-two punch. Like, I, like the song Tambourine, I like how weird it is. It sounds weird. It's a weird song. And you have lines like, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, trolley cars that juggle seventeen. Like what the heck? Like yeah. they, he's just he needed. It's like a deadline. Here, here you go. You know, uh, yeah. I just need something that rhymes. You know, it's like like a Beck lyric or something. And I love saying trolley cars that juggle seventeen, but only because it's fun to say. It's like the Pixies' uh, "Monkey Gone to Heaven." It doesn't mean anything. It's just fun to say. Uh, so I so for me, tambourine is fun and it's awesome and I love it. But it's just good, good fun. Life can be so nice, man. What a heavy, heavy, heavy thing that is, and what a gift it is. And uh, so, for, for, for you know, to me, that that's the, the greatest gift of, of his catalog for me is is the song. And and I like and I love it that it's uh, you know a microcosm of a greater macrocosm, which is that whole era, because like for example, like. Number two on my list of probably songs that have given me probably so much, believe it or not, is actually the song uh, Money Doesn't Matter Tonight, later on in Diamonds and Pearls. Overall, overall, Diamonds and Pearls isn't one of my favorite records. It's not even my 10th favorite record. It's just that one piece of of that. So I I love it. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, that like life can be so nice is just you know, that microcosm and this greater macrocosm of all of my favorite shit all together. Whereas Diamonds and Pearls, great record, love it, great, great stuff, but it's just that one little sliver for me, the rest is, you know, it is what it is. It's fun, but it's not something that I, I can I can honestly say that I'm, I have an urgency or that resides somewhere in my emotions that that i need beyond that one song you know what i mean yeah yeah i do So what do you take from some of the lyrics towards the end of the song when when he's singing and Wendy and Lisa are singing behind him? So you got like and it, and these lyrics honestly are kind of sometimes 
like depending on how your brain works, you know, you almost have to focus on one's vocals versus the other. Because if you're trying to listen to them simultaneously and then comprehend them, it's not easy. It truly isn't because you've got right. Prince singing lines like shivering madly in your embrace. And then behind him and not even like, you know, in sync with him, Wendy and Lisa are saying shivering madly in your embrace is better than a trip. And then Prince says better than a trip. And then Wendy and Lisa say morning glories never cry. My love's love is just a dripping. And then Prince says morning glories crying in the rain. And so they just keep going back and forth like that, um, saying these lines. And I don't know, for me, I have to almost like, uh, t- uh, teach my brain to just focus on one of <laughs> one or the other in order to really kind of hear what they're saying. Otherwise, it's more of just using voices as an instrument and just kind of as a, a sound collage, I guess, for lack of a better term, to build up the the or to amp up the um, you know the intensity of the song as it starts to reach its climax. So. I don't know if any of those lines jump out at you or if you're kind of like me and kind of focus on some of the lines we've already talked about. Well, I'll tell you this. I don't want to be a spoiler, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what my thoughts are. And then I will, I will line that up with what Wendy said to me about this and which will also okay. limit why this song really doesn't work in a live setting. Okay. Is one, my emotions are, I can't imagine even if it was, I can't imagine that vocal track done in more than one take. I, I don't take any of that stuff seriously at the end. I think what it is, because if you look at it, all it is, is 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 they're repeating the lyrics in a in a different way from the first line. So, uh, from, from the first line. Yep. Morning glories never cry. Scrambled, scrambled eggs are, are so boring. They're just repeating it. I think Your that, mama, you're all I want to know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's all it is. So it's just they're going back and forth with a little bit of play. That's all it is. There, it's, it's not anything deeper or more serious. They didn't have any, he didn't have any more lyrics. Like I said, the lyrics themselves were seemed to be very um, uh, kind of rushed or just you know, but in a good way. In a, in, a, in a very good. Here we go. Here this is this is a, something I'm feeling today. Here you go. Uh, so there's that. What she told me was, again, why this song really doesn't work that well uh, live is because that whole coda is, is, again, isn't something that is what you would say installed into the song. It, it, it would be, it was, it was never, ever, like when you, when, you, when you hear the song, even live, they're going to do the first verse, they're going to do the chorus and all that. But that ending part, man, different every time. Any any live footage that you've seen from the parade tour where they actually did life can be so nice, that ending part was never taken seriously. It wasn't even remembered from how they laid it down. It's not what you call sure. installed. So that's, so that's another reason why I don't take it very seriously. Um, and I think it was just a way of like, you know what? We actually don't have an entire song here. We don't have another verse of lyrics. We're just gonna we're gonna find our way out of this. And we're gonna do fun <laughs> yeah. little interplay, and we're gonna repeat what lyrics that we do have. And again, and when you see that in a live setting, it's just a jammy type kind of thing. And again, and if she doesn't have him the playoff of, it really doesn't work. So yeah. I don't think the ending part is something that should be taken seriously, other than just it sounds cool. Yeah, they needed they needed to end the song in in some fashion. So this is how they did it. 
you know, right. and like you, and like you said, it probably was just really kind of done spur of the moment ad hoc and like, okay, that's a wrap. Moving on. <laughs> ad hoc. That was <laughs> the how it I was seems to be. You, there you go, man, Jason. I was, I was, my mind was looking for ad hoc and you delivered. Well done, my friend. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, one thing I did also want to mention, and and I would be remiss not to talk, of, not in depth, but just the fact that the song is called Life Can Be So Nice. And where was the movie filmed? It was filmed in Nice, France. So yeah. I think that that is kind of a fun little accident or maybe on purpose. I don't know. I mean, this song was written in April of 85. The lyrics were written in April of 85 before they started filming the movie. So it doesn't feel like, you know, it was un- done on purpose. But um, it's just, but, but how, can you, how can you not mention it, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the script was already, he'd already had, had, had worked on the script. Uh, so maybe I so feel maybe they like... they were already scouting locations and he already kind of knew as where they were going to film. Well, I think I think that he already saw this as is a is a kind of a black and white French noir type kind of deal, and secondly, I feel like that there's songs that you can hear on parade that that here's the here's the juxtaposition. I think that there's songs that you can hear where you can definitely can tell that he is writing music to a scene versus the other way around. It, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 yeah. and those are the songs that obviously made it into the film. Like, 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 I don't think for a second that life can be so nice was like, okay, we need to write a song for this, for this scene. I, it, it doesn't feel that way. No. A song like I wonder you totally does. And that's why it fits that because I feel like it was written for it and to it, you know? Uh, but I mean, but at the same time, if you're going to film something in the French Riviera, and have have all this type kind of st- stuff, you know. He can he can write a song called "Another Lover Hole in Your Head," and that song, <laughs> and that's still very joyous. There's nothing dark about that, you know. Right. Uh, you know. Um, originally, of course, "Little Wendy's Parade." Uh, if you hear the coda uh, uh, of that, it sounds like it could go into "Life Can Be So Nice." Uh, I, I feel like if I if I get this correctly, that he worked on. A couple other songs uh, the same day he, that they started working on this, and and there's not any similarity to the peerless song, but but in terms of the mood of, of things, so uh, I, I I definitely feel what what you're saying there that it, it, it'd be hard to not want to celebrate, and I love the instrumental that uh, that uh, uh, Alec De Paris uh, and then they're doing that waltz on the boat on the yacht and all that and just. Just great stuff, man. You know, at my uh, at my wedding uh, uh, last year, I got married in 2019. Uh, you have to have the um, what do you call it? The uh, you know the where you get up and do the dance with your mom. Like she did it with her dad, and I had to yeah. do a song with mom. The song that I chose, my my mom was so gracious. My mother is in her is 76 years old. And that's what we did. We got up and we actually did the dance. Not exactly like how you see it in the film, but I put <laughs> together a little something that was in our wheelhouse uh, that we danced at Alec D. Paris. And as we came down the steps uh, at our reception, it was to uh, Christopher Tracy's parade with those those the, the pounding of the drums at the very beginning. So as you can see, this 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 whole era. Um, is in my DNA. It is 
it, it, it is something that it, it is me. It is something that I have absorbed and permeates uh, through everything that I do and say so much so that I sometimes the locket I gave to my wife when I proposed to her has I didn't bite anybody again I only want to be my own I want to be me not Prince like I mentioned before but there's a combination of lyrics from girls and boys from life can be so nice um, and it's just everything about this just shapes uh, just my favorite era of Prince yeah, that's great. I think that's a a nice story and a great way to kind of end this and wrap up this episode, Roy. Do you have any other comments you wanted to make about the song that you haven't touched on already? You know what? I I, I think that we covered it pretty well. I I did want to say like uh, again for you know I can't imagine anybody that's watching uh, or whatever. Maybe maybe not. I hope so. Um, if you know only know Kiss. Or maybe girls and boys, man, and you know, and now you, uh, that the movie is now out, it's on Blu-ray and all that, uh, and now we're all indoors just for a little while longer uh, before this thing ends, man. Get your squad together, get your crew together, enjoy this. I want you, and I want you to think about us when you already know. Now I want you to anticipate the scene. Uh, of when uh, life can be so nice comes on because it's really a great, 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 great thing. And and again, I know that your podcast is specific to the lyrics. And uh, but what a great visual, what a great song, uh, even without the lyrics. And again, like I said, uh, it's just so fun to say the lyrics of this song. Um, but I think that you know ultimately, the legacy of of parading under the cherry moon. Is is not one song. It is the whole, the whole piece of it. But I feel like that any miss any one of these songs would be a missing piece to that. For me, I feel like that none more so uh, than this song. I think it it, it has the, the greatest impact, and it scores something uh, not only for the film but for this era, and especially for what came next. I feel like that you can find a lot of that. I feel like that there's a lot of what came, what we now know and what came next. I think you'll see a lot of the you know. It, it may not sound so strange now, whenever you know knowing what we know now. Um, so yeah, man, life can be so nice. Play it loud today. Yeah, well said. Well, thank you very much, Roy. Why thank don't you, you let the uh, listeners know where they can check you out and you know find you and see what you're up to thank you sir i appreciate that again uh i'm building this twitch channel so if you want to come on over if you're new to twitch come on over to the twitch.tv slash dj tricky kid and hit that follow button we have a lot of a lot of cool stuff coming up and that's the reason why we're i'm using jason here as the guinea pig is next time i interview somebody and sometimes what we might do is uh do it just for certain tiers of certain followers um got a lot of big stuff coming up and we want you to be a part of that if you want to follow me on social media i'm on twitter underneath the handle tricky kid and the number two i'm on instagram as dj tricky kid and again uh the show every thursday at noon is called tricky kid radio subscribe wherever else you get your your podcast via itunes google play android wherever you get your stuff uh, and again, I want to thank Jason uh, for having me today, man. And don't forget about our mega threads on Twitter. Shout out to DJ Um and Edgar for putting all that together. Yeah, thanks for shouting that out because it's a it's a really great um, 
avenue to talk about prints. I like Twitter for that reason. You know, you can do yeah. these threads and and each one's like a like a bite-sized morsel of information and then you just keep going. And if you have to take a pause because it's a really long thread, go for it. You know, bookmark yeah. oh. it and come back to it. It's all good. Um, but yeah, they tell we try to tell a story in these threads a little bit about the song or intersperse some personal anecdotes about the songs, maybe some historical right. information, historical context. Whatever we can do to kind of uh, imbue our own personality into these threads while lifting up the music and, you know, putting a shine on the song that we're, what that we're talking about is the intent. Um, we're not doing, we're doing the sign of the times right now. Maybe someday parade will be done. And then, of course, when I get to sign of the times for my podcast, I'll have a lot of great uh, potential guests, <laughs> you know, at my disposal when I reach out to the uh, Prince Twitter thread team members, the Purple Avengers, as we are, have been dubbed, and they can talk about the songs that they've already done a lot of research on anyway. So it's, you know, it's like a win-win. Like, they've already done the, the you know, the research and the legwork, and I just got to get them on and talk about it on my show. Well, so you know, thank you, Roy. Uh, yeah, thank you. I was just gonna say, just, I, I was gonna say, I, I'm, I'm grateful that they, uh, we were talking about like the Purple Avengers comes from me because I was, I'm a big nerd and I collect comic books and I just happened to have said so something. That was like, you. It was that me. Was so, so, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm the one that said, uh, Edgar has assembled something similar to the Avengers. Well, the, well, the Purple Avengers. Uh, and yeah. I was thinking everybody was gonna like, you know, yawn. And maybe somebody still probably did. Uh, I'm just a big geek. <laughs> this is this whole thing right here, nothing but comic books over here. So, anyway, so shout out to Edgar and everybody else that's uh, uh, that was humoring me and my uh, nerdiness. <laughs> yes, the Purple Avengers and, thing has taken off. It, it's work. People are we, we're we're still using it. So <laughs> I love, I love it. And I actually did something uh, as as well. Uh, whenever I did the song it. Um, I have a, if you've, if you've read my thread on it, on it, um, I actually interviewed, uh, Alan Johannes, who, if you're, that name doesn't immediately jump out to you. If you know who Queen of the Stone Age and, and who they are, he's a, a major part of that and part of the whole desert sessions and the, and the Southern California desert thing that spawned, uh, Caius and Queens and all that. And for a B-side, for a single from Desert Sessions, they actually cover it. And it's the only recorded uh, version that, you know, that, that I know of. And if you ever want to hear Josh Homme sing Prince, check it out. So anyway, so I turned my It thread into an entire audio uh, podcast, primarily for, for, for my, my uh, visually impaired uh, listeners uh, that wrote to me and said, hey, we want to be a part of this too. So that's actually what inspired me to do it. And I thought, well, hey, I can also can include Alan's interview. So if you get a chance uh, to go on Tricky Kid Radio, uh, that you can actually can hear the whole uh, thread as, as as it's written with little interludes here and there with actual songs, and you get to hear from the great Alan Johannes. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. And um, this has been the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger, thanking Roy Turner again for joining me on this episode. Uh, you can follow me and the show, Press Rewind Pod, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and I have a Discord, Discord server. Check it out. It's going to be in the show notes, and basically I highlight it on all my social media presence and all the different uh, profiles I have out there. 
find the show anywhere that you can find podcasts. And uh, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.